So, tonight, we are, To Whom Shall We Go, is the, um, the title that I have for it. And hopefully you'll be able to kind of see how that's going to work out here with it. Okay, first of all, I want to start off with a, uh, a poem that's by a guy named Ron DeMarco. And I don't know if you know him, I don't know him, but I heard his, the, his poem uh, when we were on our last cruise that we were on. during that We had a, a service on Sunday morning, and the, and the person who led it had this as part of the, the poem. And so I'll, I'll read it through here. I was walking down life's highway a long, long time ago. One day I saw a sign that read, Heaven's Grocery Store. As I got a little closer, the door opened wide, and I find myself standing inside. I saw a host of angels. They were standing everywhere. One handed me a basket and said, My child, shop with care. Everything a human need was in that store. If you couldn't carry it at all, you can come back the next day for more. First I got some patience. Love was in, this, in the same row. Further down was understanding. You need that everywhere you go. I got a box or two of wisdom, a bag or two of faith. I just couldn't miss the Holy Ghost. It was all over the place. I stopped to get some strength and courage to help me run this race. By then my basket was getting full, but I remembered I needed some grace. I didn't forget salvation, for salvation was free. I tried to get enough of that to save both you and me. Then I started up the counter to pay my grocery bill, for I thought I had everything to do the Master's will. As I went up the aisle, I saw prayer. I just had to put that in. I knew when I stepped outside, I would run into sin. Peace and joy were plentiful, and they were last on the shelf. Song and praise were hanging near, so I just helped myself. I said to the angel, how, Now how much do I owe? He smiled again and said, My child, Jesus paid your bill a long, long time ago. I like this poem and, and put it in for this lesson because um, I felt like it was indicative of how Peter is having to grow. You know, he's having to kind of find, it's like he's going through the store every day and he's getting new stuff. And I think, I, I'm hoping that we see out of this that that's kind of like what we should be doing is going shopping for the store that gives us all the things we need spiritually and allows us to be able to, to function in this world as, as a Christian. So hopefully it was enjoyable to you and uh, hopefully it, it fit in good with this. That, that, the biggest thing that I liked about this, I guess, was that we can always return to the store, which is the source, of course. We can always go back to the store to get more of what we need to follow Jesus. Okay, so if we can turn to Luke 18, 18 through 30, we'll start there today. Of course, all of these stories that you that, that we're going to be going through are stories that we've heard many, many times, and you probably can, you know, as soon as you get there, you go, oh yeah, I remember that one. Because we're basically doing, you know, things that, are, that have been spoken about a lot. Well, hopefully we're gaining some new insights into it. So if someone would be willing to read, go back to again, Luke 18, 18 through 30. Um, and I have it up here if you want to follow along there. Once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, Good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. The man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. When Jesus heard his answer, he said, There is still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. But when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was very rich. When Jesus saw this, he said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this said, Then who in the world can be saved? He replied, 
what is impossible for people is possible with God. Peter said, we've left our homes to follow you. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will be repaid many times over in this life and will have eternal life in the world to come. Okay. I really like the way you put that little inflection on Peter's response, because <laughs> I think that hit it pretty good there uh, with that. Um, okay, so it starts off certain ruler. It says certain ruler. Uh, I think some versions may say it's slightly different. Is, is this? Uh, does any of these say rich young ruler or something like that? Yeah. Um, this, this one here. It's interesting that they put certain. I don't know if that's something that's in the, the language of it, um, but it almost sounds like they're thinking of a particular one, doesn't it? You know, and so I'm thinking that that might be the case, that there was somebody there that was a, a certain ruler that had some influence probably uh, during that time. Um, he says, good teacher, what must I do to in inherit eternal life? Why is that an important question? And how do you think he's asking it? Why, why is he asking it this, this way? If, if I weren't looking at the rest of the story... Well, you can still we have it. That if way. I weren't, I just saw that stop. Uh -huh. I think that's a tremendous question. Everybody should be asking that. Uh -huh. But then I read on, and I'm thinking... Oh, he's, he knows he's got it because he's, he knows how he's been living. Uh -huh. And he's just, I, uh, I guess we all have done this, asking people to give you the answer you're expecting. That, that you're wanting to hear. To affirm what you already know. Or that you hope that will be. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm kind of wondering if he has some doubts. Uh -huh. You know, that, that may, maybe he's a little concerned here. And so he wants the affirmation. Well, if he's honest, I mean, if he's honest with himself, even though I've kept all these things avoid, he knows deep down. But a lot of times we lie to ourselves, we're not honest. But yeah, maybe there's something about it. Yeah, I, I, I kind of have a feeling a little bit that there's some doubt there, um, that he does want an affirmation. And sometimes I think that we do seek affirmation um, because if we have, we have kind of these certain things, if I do these certain things, you know, I, I remember one time uh, my friend, um, he mentioned about that there was a guy who was about to die. And he had um, basically cheated on his wife at some point. And so he, even though he had sought forgiveness for that and sought, uh, you know, repented of that and everything and, and uh, tried to lead a good life and and good towards his wife and everything, he still had that doubt in his mind that he may not be where he wanted to go. And I think that's, you know, Jesus was here so that we don't have to have doubt, or, you know, that we can believe and know where we're going to go. Jesus talks to him here about that. Uh, first of all, he says, why do you call me good? And he says, um, that God is the only one good, kind of letting them know that God is the only one that's perfect, right? Yeah. And so, you know, if you're calling me good, then you're putting me on the same place in Jesus' mind, or for Jesus, on the same level as God for it. But he, does, he gives them also, tells them, um, you know the commandments. And probably, if this is a certain guy that everybody knew, he probably does know the commandments well. You know, he probably is very faithful to try to follow those commandments. And he, he gives a list of commandments for him. And then the guy responds, All these I have kept since I was a boy. So how do you think he's feeling now? <laughs> yeah, wow, I, I dodged that bullet, right? You know, because if, you know, if he had said, if Jesus said, well, you needed to do blah, or you didn't follow this commandment, then, you know, he might be thinking he's in trouble. But Jesus said, you know the commandments. 
And that he says, well, I followed those. I followed those since I was a boy. You know, perfect child here. I mean, he was, I mean, he obeyed his parents and everything when he was young, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, Jesus knows that's not true, but he responds, you still lack one thing. Okay, the thing that he tells them that he lacks, is it one of the commandments? What do you think? One of the first few there. Yeah, but... It, it, God, God, not money. God. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's no other idols thing. Could be. Could be, but maybe you know, it wasn't. It wasn't direct type thing, was it? So it wasn't something that he could go. Well, yeah, I blew it there. And but he came, comes up and says. Now, the thing here is interesting. He doesn't say go and sell. You know, go and give a lot of money to the temple or anything like that. He says, go and sell what? Everything. Everything. Wow. That's pretty harsh, isn't it? That that's something that I think you know. You guys are probably perfect on this, but not me. <laughs> I would probably struggle with that myself. You know, the idea of of that I had to sell everything. So he goes away sad, and Jesus says, "How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle." than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Do you think that would surprise them in this day, in, in their day? Yeah, sorry, David, going back to the previous thing, okay. you know, it says sell all your possessions and give to the poor. One thing, I, you know, that, that seems to be the part we always focus on, but one thing I, I just noted here is there's something after that. He says, then come and follow me. Okay, good, good. You know, he's having to basically change his whole life, not just his money. Well, and not just, but let me put check marks in all these check boxes. But, you know, I'm sure you know who I am, you know, because you came here today to ask me this question. And so I'm telling you it's important also for you to follow me. Right. And that's, uh, that's going to lead you to the world life. Good. Thank you. That's that's very good. I like I like especially what you said instead of just following the box, which I think he was trying to do. And we we probably do some of that the same ourselves. Anybody else? Anything on this? Well, since we went back there. <laughs> okay. I was looking at that uh, in the Greek English, and then um, looking at the word that it was having done. He wanted to follow God at least so that he could get eternal life. Yeah. Yep. So, how does I mean how, how does his disciples respond to this? Your version that you when you read it said something slightly different. Did you read that again? Yeah. Um then who in the world can be saved? 
I like that. I mean, who in the world could be saved? What, why do you think they responded that way? Well, I think they tended to look at people who were rich and think that God had blessed them, so right. they must be right with God. I mean, there was that issue with Job. Something terrible has happened to you. You must have done something wrong. I mean, I think it was very common to equate, if you're doing well, you must be right with God. He must be blessing you. If something bad has happened, you must have done something terrible. I mean, they assumed that in other places where, you know, who sinned, this man or his parents? Like, why did he just born blind? I mean, I think that was a common assumption. Yes. Was it not correct that he had done everything in the law said? You're talking about the rich man? The, according to his uh, response, he said that he did everything since he well, was... If he, if he had, then what was wrong? Well, evidently, he didn't do enough. Yeah, he given everything he owed to the Well, the, 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 <laughs> the law didn't say that. No. Well, yeah, true. It didn't say that in that exact way, but I think, like, was it you, Eddie, that mentioned that he was kind of putting money before God, which would be idolatry to a certain extent. Well, also, I think Jesus wants more from us than just the basics. You're right. Don't do this and don't do that. I think you've got it there pretty nailed pretty good there. And I think that's what we see here is that you know, Jesus then replies to that, that what is impossible with man is possible with God. It's possible that God can change a heart. Man cannot change a heart except maybe their own. They can't change other people's hearts. Yes? You have to remember also that there's a lot of followers at this time that wanted to make Jesus king. Right. And, and, they, and they expected the riches. I mean, look at uh, John and... Uh, what's his brother's name? James. James. John and James were saying, hey, you know, when you come into your kingdom, we want to sit on your right hand and your left hand. Their mother was saying that. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Their mother was saying, please put you know, one on the left and one on the right. <laughs> the point being is, is still that they look at, at, at possessional wealth. When As a godly. <laughs> yeah. And do we still yeah. do that today, Sam? There is such a thing as a prosperity gospel out there, but we, I think we even sometimes do it in, even in a subtler way at times, that we kind of think that someone who's rich, they must be following God better. I, I also think there's a, there's a humility issue here that Jesus is trying to hit on. You know, it, it, of course, God knows that nobody can, can really keep the law there mm -hmm. and so you know if if jesus had said you're right you've kept all the commandments you're good to go then what what impact would that have had on that that man what impact would that have had on the other people that were in the crowd listening to that um you know and I, I think probably it's likely that the guy would have gone away feeling really good about himself and thinking well I'm arrived, I just gotta keep on keeping on and look at me, you know, kinda of like the 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 guy in the Pharisee that beat his breast, um, about how good he was when in reality he had he had kind of missed the point of where God really wants us to be. The law was given to us for to help show us how to behave, but it couldn't it, it it pointed the way, but it couldn't get us all the way there because um, it, it couldn't provide salvation. I'm not going down a rabbit hole, but um, it, it couldn't get us all the way there by just keeping a bunch of, of laws. By doing the checkbox. Right. Uh, yeah, I was going to say they, they legitimately had a reason for thinking if they were blessed, mm -hmm. they were. God was born because he stood, Moses stood on the mountain and told them, God saying, you obey me, I will bless you. You disobey me, you will, yeah, I will not bless you. Choose which direction you want to go. So there, and, and we can feel that too, because it's like, yes, if we obey God, we are going to be blessed, but we confuse what those blessings are. But also, they had Abraham too as an example that 
you know, how when he did God's will, went to another country, <coughs> that he was blessed by that. Okay. That's what uh, Tim was saying, I think Romans 3.20, Therefore no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law, rather through the law will become conscious of sin. Mm-hmm. So I think just this is a scripture that says exactly what you were saying. Yeah. On a side note like this, it's interesting, it's very, very parallel. <clears throat> Socrates' uh, trial, one of the accusers, the guy by the name of Malchus, says that you, you say that you're, you're, you're wise, but I'm the wisest man in the world. Socrates replied to him, I know that I know nothing, therefore I am the wisest man. And, and this, I think this is where Jesus is trying to guide his disciples. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, look at Peter's response. See, this is all geared to go to Peter's response now. How does he respond? Well, why is he saying what he says? Well, I did it. <laughs> yeah. I did it. Yeah, I think you're, I'm good, right? <laughs> yeah, right. He's saying, well, I know that. <laughs> and, you know, he's, he's kind of, we left all of you we had to follow you because he's telling the guy to leave all of his possessions and Peter did that but Peter's possessions were quite a bit smaller but still he did that and so Peter's feeling I think pretty good at this point you know hey man you know I did this and then so you know does Jesus pat him on the back not really I mean he he doesn't he doesn't necessarily get after him but he just kind of says, hey, you really haven't left anything that you're not going to get back. Something better. Yeah. And, then, and I think that's kind of the whole point is that when you do give up whatever you need to give up, and it might be possessions sometimes, it might be people, friends, that you will get back something better. And I think Jesus is trying to teach him in this lesson about doing that. If you're going to get something better back. Okay, next one. Matthew 16, 13 through 22. And if somebody will volunteer to read that. No volunteer. He asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Okay, so Jesus wants to find out from his disciples what people are saying about him. And people are basically saying that he's possibly John the Baptist, come back to life, which kind of didn't make sense because they were both alive to get, you know, on the earth at the same time. But anyway, some say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And then he gets personal with it. But what about you? Who do you say I am? And Peter 
gives probably one of his best answers ever. He says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And wow, he hit it on the nail, so much so that then Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon. You notice he's using his, his uh, Simon name here. You know, I think he's saying, you listened well. <laughs> and you listened to, to God because um, my Father in Heaven has given you this. You didn't learn it from flesh and blood, but you learned it directly from, from um, God in Heaven. And I tell you, Peter, on this rock, basically his statement, so he goes back to the Peter thing now, where he's going to bring the rock in. On this rock, which is the statement that, that Peter made, the, he build his church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now get that part. And this is a side note. The gates of Hades will not defeat the church. We sometimes think it will. You know, I, I remember a lesson a while back when I was in Washington where um, when someone kind of pointed this out, you know, that we think of kind of like the church as a fortress, you know, and that we're trying to defend that fortress from the outside sources from Satan. It's actually the other way around. We're attacking Satan's fortress. We're in his world trying to get people you know, basically the, the war to get people from him. And we will defeat him, this says. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's pretty positive. Okay, so and he says... Side note, David, I want to Ray Vanderlaan's different travels he took over in there. Uh, he took him up to Caesarea Philippi, mm -hmm. over another name now, but he showed him where, quote-unquote, <coughs> gates of hell were. Uh -huh. and Jesus was at Caesarea Philippi where the gates of hell were actually were located and it had the big shrines of the Satan and man and all of that. And and his point that he was making was it's interesting that he picked this place to tell his disciples that the gates of hell would not prevail against them. Right. And so their pagan religion would not prevail Right. Either. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and then from that time, he's telling them about that he's going to have to die, and then that in uh, on the third day that he will be raised. And what does Peter do now? What, what's he do? <laughs> yeah. Now, I I find it kind of interesting here that Peter took him aside. Have you ever been taken aside by someone that wants to talk to you about something? Is it usually a very good thing? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of times it's not. I'm kind of thinking, you know, and it does say uh, that Peter rebuked him. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah, that, he, that Peter rebuked him. So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that back up here at the top where Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon. He might have went to his head a little bit. <laughs> that he might have got, oh, yeah, I said some good things there. Let's see if I do some more here. And so he kind of stepped out where maybe he shouldn't have stepped out on that and acted in a way that maybe wasn't a good way to act at that time. Do we sometimes, you, you kind of get in that situation. I, 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 I may be just speaking for myself that I've been in that situation, I think, where I felt like, okay, did this really good thing over here, and then I go and blow it over here. <laughs> from from just the same kind of, you know, even though they're, 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 they're joined together somehow, you know, I, I, I go a little bit too far, you know, uh, and I think I can kind of relate to that. Yes? I think part of it may have been a misunderstanding of what it meant for Jesus to be the Messiah. I think Peter had a different idea mm -hmm. of what him being the Messiah meant, and so he didn't think that this whole going to Jerusalem and dying thing fit into 
the plan. He didn't understand. Did, did you notice I didn't let you read the other part? I <laughs> <laughs> No, you're not. You're doing exactly what I was hoping. <laughs> Go ahead. Which is interesting because yeah, I think this is who you are. So you've got this picture. So Jesus draws the real picture. Oh, no, that's not what I was thinking. Right. But what I think is interesting is that when he said, this is who you are, that was revealed to him by revelation uh -huh. God. So God, God had given him that confession. Mm -hmm. But he didn't understand what God through him was giving him. Mm -hmm. still had a human it, it still him. went through his his own um i don't know what the word is ego. well ego there but that lens would be a good one or fil filter that's what i was kind of looking it still went through his own filter were you raising your hand over here Alan? no okay um but we don't know what we're saying even though we're speaking truth we don't know what that truth means right we don't know the full yeah. the full um power of it and everything I think Peter, you know, he just got through being told by the Messiah yeah. that, hey, God revealed all this. You're, you're filled with the Spirit to say this. And so he says, oh, I'm still filled with the Spirit. I'm going to wonder uh -huh. what this uh -huh. with the rabbi. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, also, Jesus had just told Peter that he was blessed mm -hmm. and that first he says Simon, and then he calls him Peter. But I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And then he turns around and he starts talking about what's going to happen. That he's going to die. And then Peter's thinking, "No way, I'm not going to let that happen." Right. You know, which which right. Well, and it's even more so later on, right? But okay, so now we got to finish the story because we didn't read it all there. We didn't. I I was kind of being a little mean there. I guess I didn't <laughs> didn't let her. Uh, I wanted, I wanted whoever's going to read to stop at that point because so we could talk about that because the rest of it, Matthew 16, 23 through 27, and I'll just go ahead with this one and read this one. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. That's pretty strong, isn't it? He calls Peter, you know, wait, wait a minute. I was just blessed a little while ago and said that I was getting, getting revelation from God and everything, and I, I thought I was just getting another one. <laughs> and then, you know, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You know, and puts him on par now with the other side, <laughs> the, the devil. And he says, you, have the, you do not have in mind the concerns of God. And I think this was kind of brought up by some people, that Peter had a different idea of how this was going to go. <coughs> he had this idea that, like, thought that Jesus was going to be the king coming through, going to wipe out the Romans, reestablish the throne of David, and thereby... Um, it would be, you know, glory land for all who were uh, of the descendants of, of uh, Abraham, right? But that's not what it's about. And Jesus is trying to teach him that's not what it's about. It's not about this world. It's about what God wants for people to come to him for the next or eternal life. Any other comments about that part? Okay. So, Jesus hits it even further here, which basically saying, if you want to follow him, you've got to pick up your cross and deny yourself. And basically, if you follow him, and whoever wants to save their life, which wasn't that what Peter wanted to do to save Jesus' life, you know, but Jesus said, no, that's not the way it's going to go. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, will lose their life for, for his sake, will gain the whole world. 
Well, no, but I got that wrong. Whoever loses their life will find for me will find it. And basically, if you had the whole world, you had the riches, you know, like the guy before, and that's all you have. You don't have that that relationship with with Christ, then you've lost it. Comments? Yes. I think this is probably Jesus. So he thought this teaching and mentoring was mm-hmm. And I, I think of it a lot like uh, a coach, mm-hmm. where you know, a coach may be incredibly hard on you and smack you around and yell at you and you know make you feel like you're never going to be good enough. But they also have a way about them of building you up to to such that you know those players can follow that coach through there that they're always trying to be the best that they can be. Uh, and I see that a little bit in this narrative here where you know um, Jesus really gives Peter an apple for what Peter thought he had uh, he had really given a good answer for whether he understood it or not. And then, you know, only to completely screw it up a few days later. Uh, and Jesus is what and Jesus told him and then the rest of the disciples, look, I, I love you guys, um, but you're not getting it. And I really need you to get it. This is really important that you understand the difference in the frame of mind, the frame of reference that you had before, in what really being a disciple is all about. Thank you. Well, I really add to in this larger flow of thought. Jesus says, "This is this is really who I am." Mm-hmm. He says, if you're going to follow me, it's really a reflection of who he is. And so, in order to appropriately follow him as we should, we have to appropriately know him. Or we may be following Jesus in our own imagination. That's not. That's not who he is. And so, could it be that's why after this, he takes Peter up on the mountain for this transfiguration? Oh. To help him open his eyes. Right. And he still didn't get it. Even then, because we, we, we did that one last week, you weren't here. <laughs> but, yeah, he, he still had trouble getting it. And I think we're going to. Yeah, and I think that's why I, I chose this, because we're going to see Peter many times do some really great things and then blow it. Or do some where he messes up and then do some really great things. You know, it, it, I think sometimes we have to go through that in order to, to grow ourselves with that. Any other comments? I'm running out of time and I got lots more to go. Okay. Speaking of hard things, <laughs> John 6 60 through 70. Here's some uh, lessons, or some, there were some lessons that Jesus gave that some people had a hard time understanding it. So much so that it caused them to consider whether they wanted to continue to follow him. Someone willing to read? When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe, and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one 
can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Did you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed, and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? No, that's fine. Um, so, basically, we didn't read the first part of it because I wanted to keep it kind of short here, but the first, uh, the, the part where the people hear a lesson that they are struggling with, trying to figure out what he is talking about, is the part about that uh, where it says, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And he goes through then talking more about that you need to basically eat his flesh, drink his blood, and, uh, and his, his flesh is real and food, is real food, and my blood is real drink. Can you imagine if you were there and listening to that? <laughs> would, would it be something that would be confusing? Yeah, because uh, I don't think there was anybody that was teaching cannibalism back then, so... Um, you know, it, that be, it's very confusing. Of course, we can look at hindsight and see some things that probably fit more of what he was trying to talk about there. Um, but his disciples, well, uh, of course, he had more than 12 disciples. Everybody realizes that, right? Okay. So um, they say, this is a hard teaching. Who could accept this? And I kind of understand how they might feel at that point. You know, it's a kind of a situation where, you know, he's saying something that um, doesn't sound like you'd be following at least the God of Moses in, in that. all of the, the laws that they had against blood. touching a dead body and blood and, and all of that, this had to be very confusing because it was just 180. Right. That. Yeah. It's very confusing. So at this point, there, some people are going, I don't know if I can accept this. And even his disciples, we see here that his disciples were grumbling about this as well. I mean, we're talking, I'm talking about the 12 at this point. I think that that's what it's talking about there. And so he says to them, does this offend you? And he says then later on, yet there are some of you who do not believe. So he's kind of, I think, trying to wake them up to listen more to, to what he's trying to say and understand that it's not about physical kingdom. It's not about his physical body, except that he's going to get his body up. It's, it's about a spiritual... Um, relationship with him. Anybody see anything different or understand it different? It's hard to go from physical to the metaphysical. Yeah, it is, especially for for us. <laughs> I, I, my buddy friend that I have up in Washington, he says that one one of the things he likes to say is that. We are, we, we think of ourselves as physical be, being trying to live a spiritual life when it's actually probably maybe the other way around. That we're spiritual beings that are trying to learn how to live in the physical world and, and getting that messed up sometimes. A lot of times. <laughs> Sorry. Um, let me see. Did it not go? There we go. And he says, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled... Oh, go ahead. Um, I was going to say, they can finish all grumbling about all the things that you told them about eating flesh and this and that. They disproved. You know, they had this idea in their head. And it's a group of people. 
And we find that today when people disapprove. Yeah. They, they want to get in their clique and they want to find people that agree with them, yada, yada, yada. yada. Um, and then he said, yet there are some of you who cannot believe. He knows the heart of man. Mm-hmm. He knows that regardless, the Son of Man is going to send before them the Spirit of God that gives them life. You know, um, but yet, even if you don't believe what I said, some of you still do not believe. You know, and even if you did none of that, some of you still don't believe. Mm-hmm. You know, he knows the heart of man. So he's saying it's deeper than that. It's deeper. And I think what he says here kind of fits with that because um, we kind of expect sometimes, okay, if I show people this verse, this verse, this verse, this verse, this verse, they're going to believe. But then here it says, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. I think your Kate's version was a little bit different on it. I don't remember exactly what, what did it say. And the next sentence, for Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe. And who would betray him? Right. Right. So we, we kind of forget that part as far as dealing with people sometimes. That, that people, it's not a matter of, uh, I prove something to you. It's a matter of how their heart is and how they're malleable it is to, to God's word. I can or, give you the plan. You may not agree. Right. And not understand it or think it's crazy or something like that. Right. Oops, lost connection. Came back connection. Okay. All right. Um, so from this time, many of his disciples turn back and no longer follow them. And Jesus responds to, says to the twelve, you do not want to leave too, do you? And when he says it in a negative way, it kind of makes it weird. But basically says, are you going to leave? Are you going to take off as well? And Peter does another great answer. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Great answer. I mean, who are we going to go to at this point? You know, we, we've seen the miracles. We've seen the feeding of the 5,000. And we've seen all these things happen. And we've been listening to and following you. We're just going to up and leave you now. And, I mean, think about it. Who do you go to? There's no one else to go to, is there? When it gets down to it. Speaking of, well, wait a minute. Uh, haven't I chosen you, you to twelve, and yet one of you is the devil? How he responds it. So he he knew that one definitely would not ever. 1979. What happened? The Iran hostage situation, right? A lot of bad things happening. Um, the United States is in turmoil. Uh, there's people out in the street that are basically holding up signs like this one here says deport all Iranian get the blank out of my country <laughs> the blank was filled in there but you know there was a lot of people who were against Iranians at that time so much so that their lives were threatened and if they were in the United States their lives were threatened and people were wanting to get them out, deport them, whatever. One year before that, 1978, there was a group of people that left Broadway Church of Christ in Lubbock, Texas, led by Milton Jones and Bill Lawrence. Bill Lawrence was, one, was uh, my roommate at the time when they left that went to Seattle, Washington and started a campus ministry at the University of Washington. When this happened, they made a decision to reach out to the Iranians on the campus 
to reach out to them and help them to get through this and also to share Jesus with them. Many, not well, I mean, I won't say many, but several, I think it might have been around 20 or so, did decide to follow Jesus and be, and be baptized. At that time, the government was seriously putting de deportation orders in to deport all of them, um, no matter what. And they stood with them. They stood by the Iranians because the Iranians did not have anywhere to go. If they went back home, they would be killed. But if they stayed here, they had a country that was mad at them. They didn't have anywhere to go but Jesus at that time. And thankfully, they won the court cases in this day. But, you know, I, I feel like these guys who became a Christian, who had grown up in a different religion that was hostile to, to following Christ, they understood they would not have anywhere to go but to him. And I sometimes think that we may not have that same feeling in this that, that they did. Mark 14, 32 through 42. Oh, now, go I ahead. I think practically everyone that's a Christian comes to a point where things don't seem to be what you thought they were going to be. Oh, yeah. And at that point, make a decision, am I going to keep following you because I have nowhere else to go, even though it doesn't make sense, where, you know, what, what I thought is not what seems to be happening, but where else do I go with that too? And I think we all get there. We live very long. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Is that, that there's, there's still a time I'm going, what is this about? <laughs> what, what is he saying here? And I have to kind of just keep going. You know, like, like you're saying, where else am I going to go? Any other comments? Yeah, I think that's a good point. Is that Okay, Mark 14, 32, 42. This is the second to the last one, but I'm going to stop with this one. <laughs> because I don't want to go too far past um, time. I knew this was going to be a long lesson, but okay, someone going to read it? He went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Stay here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that, if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to them. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Okay, so he tells disciples, he, he takes them up again to, uh, to a place that they're going to pray, and he says, sit here while I pray. And he, then he takes... Peter, James, and John, and goes a little bit farther, and he tells them to stay here and keep watch. 
what were they watching for? Probably, that's probably what he's wanting to watch for. Why do you think they need to, though? We don't know, do we? Because <laughs> he doesn't really say why they need to watch, but probably for the betrayer. But the other translations says, "Watch and pray, so that you do not fall into temptation." Okay. So that may, it may be for their benefit that they're watching, so that they won't maybe be scared or fall asleep. It's going to be a real test of their faith and loyalty. That's that's the point. Yeah, that that's what I would. I think he's he's giving them kind of a chance to show that they're going to really follow him. At this point, that he's that he's saying to him, stay here and keep watch. And then he says, he finds him to sleep. And then he says, couldn't you keep watch for one hour? <laughs> Just one hour? And notice that the hour keeps showing up in here a lot, you know, like for one hour, uh, and then the hour has come. You know, for one hour is all he was expecting, I think. I think he knew when Judas would show up with the crowd. And he knew that they had basically an hour, and he's trying to let them know you still haven't quite got it to where you're you're willing to follow me for not even for one hour. Yeah. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. They wanted to follow him, but they were letting their flesh get in the way. And that, I think, we, we see that over and over with Peter, like when he was told that your concern is not the concerns of God, but it's the concerns of, of this world. Okay, they did not know what to say. They didn't know how to answer him. <laughs> okay, you know, they, they had no real reason for falling asleep, and they couldn't give an answer for it. And then he says, third time, you're still sleeping and resting. The hours come, and his betrayer is on its way. Okay, so we've seen Peter. Yes, go ahead. You know, it's almost like Job. You know, because Job had his sad friends around him. Mm. One say an encouraging word. And I think Jesus needed them for encouragement. I mean, they didn't have to say anything, but he needed them awake. He needed their that support system. Their support. Yeah. And they kept falling asleep. Hmm, that's interesting. And sometimes we need that. We yeah. need our people to help us get through things. Help us and to stay awake. I think Jesus did that. <laughs> and sometimes, and they just kept knocking out. <laughs> sometimes we don't need people to fall asleep around us. Okay. Yes. These people uh, who we call disciples are apostles in training. Uh huh. You're right. Jesus never fired any of them that I know of. Nope. What, one, one quit. I think they knew the character <laughs> and what they would do that they need to learn yet to trust in God. So while he was, I think he knew they'd fall asleep. Of course. And so later they'll realize the meaning of what they did. Yeah. And, and the lessons he's trying to teach them. For it. We're also going to learn that even as apostles, they don't always, they, they struggle with things too. Any other comments? Because this is, the, the, the other story I was going to do was basically the washing of feet. And I'm just going to go right through it real quick here because we don't have time for it all. Next week, the lesson, lesson for lesson four is the denial. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the senior minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. 
I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.